So I just woke up on Wednesday morning and just put out a tweet that I was planning to quit my job. And I was just doing a crazy experiment to see how people would react to it. So yeah, that's how I just put out a tweet in the morning at around 10 a.m. And then I submitted my resignation letter at uh, 3.30 in the afternoon. Welcome to the Quit Work Podcast, 15-minute conversations with people who have quit their job and gone their own way. I'm Mark, and today I'm talking to Gautam Jay, who's just quit his job as a software engineer to go full-time on his side hustle, famewall.io. Gautam, welcome to the Quit Work Podcast. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me here. So I've been following your side hustle progress for a little while, so I was very happy to see your tweet the other day showing your letter of resignation. How did that go down with your employer? Yeah, so the whole process I did was actually on Twitter. So yes, the first thing was uh, last week I had a call with my employer. So they wanted everyone to come back to the office. So I'm, oh. I'm actually uh, working as a software developer yeah. at a small enterprise company at Bangalore in India. This happened actually quite a month ago. The employer was asking people to come back to the office. Yeah. And there were a lot of hesitation from my colleagues. I was on the fences whether to go back to the office or not. Being an indie hacker, trying to build side hustles, uh, I, I didn't think that it would be a right fit for me to go back to the office. Yeah. Having to work in a fixed time slot was quite clogging to me. Yeah. So I just woke up on Wednesday morning and just put out a tweet that I was planning to quit my job. And I was just doing a crazy experiment to see how people would react to it. Yeah. And actually that tweet got a lot of impressions. There were a lot of people who were also supportive of the decision and including you too. So yeah, that's how I just put out a tweet in the morning at around 10 a.m. Yeah. And then I submitted my resignation letter at uh, 3.30 in the afternoon. Fantastic. This company in Bangalore, I know you're in Chennai, so does it have an office in Chennai as well? It's actually uh, currently only in Bangalore. So actually my history is quite different. So I graduated from college two years ago and I was offered an internship in this particular company. So at that time was when COVID hit. We had to return back to our homes. And then we were offered remote working up until last month. It seems crazy. I'm hearing this story more and more of people who have been called back to the office and have decided, okay, now's the time to quit. It does seem crazy that employers are so inflexible about this. I don't know why. The most commonly heard reason I feel is that they want people to be in a place together so that they could manage them effectively. They think that productivity might decrease if people are working remotely. That was the case in my employer at least. I don't know. I mean, if you've got the good employees, then productivity increases when you've got the space and time to work at home. As a software developer, actually, it's quite counterproductive mm-hmm. if you're working from office. So Paul Graham will mention about how makers work versus how managers tend to work. Yes. Like makers have short bursts of creativity only during a particular time. But managers tend to work with meetings and so on. Yeah, I have seen that article and I'll link to it in the show notes. It's quite dramatic, the effects that that psychologists have found with interruptions to work. If you're trying to do something that requires focus, like software development, then every interruption from your manager looking over your shoulder or sending you a Slack message, it just takes so much time to get back to that focus after the interruption. So I want to ask you about um, indie hacking. Uh, First, what attracts you to entrepreneurship? Yeah, uh, the story was quite funny, actually. So back when I was doing my bachelor's in computer science, companies and different enterprises come to recruit students during the final year of our undergraduate. Yeah. 
So at that time, a lot of my friends were getting placed in, you can say, the, the fang-like companies in India. Yeah. So they were getting placed over there, but I got placed in a relatively uh, medium-level company. Uh, it was a small enterprise company here. So I was just looking at a quick hack to find ways to make more money than them, actually. That's how it yeah. started. <laughs> so then I actually began to learn how do people make money and what makes people pay money to someone. Yeah. So that's when I came across this book. This is actually quite cliched book. Uh, this is a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad. Oh, yeah. And after that, uh, I just followed certain entrepreneurs who were trying to create disruptive products like Elon Musk. Yeah. So I was just looking at his journey, like how he started an impossible startup like Tesla and SpaceX. Yes. He himself accepted that the probability of success was less than 10%. That was quite fascinating to me because he's taken on something which is quite incredible and he made a business out of it. So that's how I got a glimpse into entrepreneurship. Yeah. And ever since then, I was just trying to get a business which would earn independent income for me so that I wouldn't have to work again for money. Yeah, absolutely. So back then I started a company with my co-founder. So he was a friend from college. And the first startup I built was a recruitment platform, basically. Okay. Because I had the problem of not getting a good job, right? So I just wanted to get a way to help other students into that path. It was a simple platform. We had some startups on one side, posting jobs and looking for certain skill sets from the candidates. Yeah. And on the other hand, we hustled to get candidates onto the platform. So that's how I started my first startup. But eventually, I just managed to make around $200 in the first month or so. Yeah. But that resulted in a burnout for me because I was the one who was manually trying to onboard the engineers onto the platform. While startups were actually plentiful, they were having a lot of open positions and they were regularly posting job openings. Yeah. But the problem for them was getting good quality engineers. Yeah. So I had to hustle a lot. Getting 10 good quality engineers was quite a deal for me. Yes. But that actually resulted in a burnout and I couldn't proceed with that idea. Yeah. And after that, I thought the consumer space was not actually lucrative for bootstrap startups. So that's when I went into Indie Hackers and I was just exploring how solopreneurs were making money. So that's how I got introduced to the world of Indie Hacking. So let's talk about that. For anybody who's not familiar with the term Indie Hacking, it's an alternative to the VC-funded tech startup model where Instead of taking on millions of dollars of venture capital and growing fast to a billion dollar company, you, you don't get funding. So you start small, you grow slowly, and that way you stay in control. So, so that's, that's my next question for you, Gautam. Why did you go with the indie hacker approach rather than any other kind of approach that might be used to start a company? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So the most important thing is, I didn't know if the venture-funded route would be something I would be liking. I might be good at it, but I don't know if I would like it, actually. Yeah. So I just had a checklist of the lowest risk possible. So indie hacking is actually having the lowest risk among this. If I'm going the venture-funded route, I would have to make a return on the capital the investors put in. Yeah. So I think that is quite risky and that will actually put you in a pressurized situation where you will have to make a return on that. And I wasn't sure if that would work for me. It is a huge amount of pressure for anybody who hasn't experienced that route. You basically get to investors who are expecting you to 100x your company in a few years. And it's an extraordinary amount of pressure to build, build, build and get bigger, bigger, bigger or die. And a lot of the startups that go that route do die. Yeah, you're actually right. The most of the startups we see on Twitter are actually those which survive. We never know how much of the startups are dead out there. Yeah. So... After that, I just went ahead with indie hacking because you will know that once you reach a particular MRR, say that a monthly recurring revenue, the amount which comes to you through revenue every month, 
if it reaches a particular amount in my case it was just 1k mrr so if i reach that goal i'm just ramen profitable like i don't have to work for money again after that yeah but that goal actually seems quite achievable to me rather than building a 1 million dollar business yeah and having to hire people and manage them ramen profitable meaning you've got enough money to keep yourself in the most basic food even if that's just ramen noodles <laughs> yeah you're right are you on your own in Fameball if you've got a co-founder for Fameball.io? No, actually, Fameball is a microsas. I built it entirely by myself. Beautiful. I started building it two months ago. I was building it in public on Twitter. So would you consider taking on employees or do you plan Fameball.io to be a one-person company for the rest of its time? Yeah, so actually, uh, I think... Fameball would be fine with me alone on the helm of it. Yeah. Fameball was actually my first experiment with a SaaS startup. I didn't know how SaaS startups work. I just wanted to experiment with the market. I'm actually planning to also work on a full-fledged SaaS product after I design completely as I've just put up my notice last week. Yeah. I'll have to serve notice of four weeks from now. Yeah. And once that's done, I thought I'll jump into idea hacking full-time and also work on a full-time SaaS product apart from this. Wow, fantastic. So let's talk about Fameball first. I want to know what your new ideas are as well. But let's talk about Fameball first. It's a SaaS, as you say, which means software as a service. What it does is it allows business owners to take tweets and other testimonials from their customers and post them on their website. So there's a couple of things that people might not understand here. First of all, can you explain why social proof is so important to businesses? So it's just actually embedded in our human DNA. Like we tend to follow people amongst our tribe so that we have better chances of survival. So you would actually see a person who's having enough reputation on Twitter. Yeah. He might be telling some good words about your product, but that goes away if you leave it on Twitter. So I just thought of a different way of capitalizing on that social proof by making a wall of fame using those tweets on your wall. Yeah. So that could actually convince new website visitors who are visiting your product for the first time. Yeah. And let them know why people love your product. So you'll have a wall of fame. People will just crawl through the wall and they'll just see interesting stories of people who share their experience with the product. So that will actually create a level of trust in the brain. So there's another thing that people might not understand. That's why it's so powerful to have a product that can do this for you easily. I mean, anybody can you know, screenshot a tweet and put a picture of a tweet on a website. So could you explain why it's so powerful to have a product that does this without any of that friction? Yeah, that's a good question. So most of my customers were mentioning that they used to collect those tweets on a separate wall and they had to manually screenshot everything and it was quite a pain for them. So with Famewall, what you can do is we'll have this curated mentions page. There you will have all your tweets aggregated for you. So every time a person mentions you on Twitter, you could actually take the high quality, high signal tweet and add it to your wall in a single click. And apart from that, there will be a separate collection tool too. You could send it to your customers who are already using your product and they could send you a testimonial right from there. You don't have to go back and forth with them, ask for a testimonial and then you have to embed it again onto your wall. You don't have to go through that process. So by giving that collection tool, people just enter the testimonial there and it's live on your wall. That's it. It's amazing, isn't it, how things get done when there's no friction. I mean, for a business owner who has a thousand other things to do, if if you can put a tweet on your website with a single click, then suddenly it happens. Whereas if you have to go through the whole process to get that on your website, that friction just stops things from happening. It's an extremely powerful effect. So I'm interested to know you're obviously very ambitious and you've got a plan for another SaaS. What's your plan for your next product? 
at the moment i just made a list of the problems i had when building my previous status framework so i'm just exploring those ideas and seeing conversations on reddit twitter about what people are talking about the problems in that space and if there is actually demand for them yeah that's a great way of going about it getting the demand first and then solving the problems that you find so a final question for you gautam in many ways it's much easier to stay in a relatively well-paid profession like software engineering than it is to quit and go your own way so why did you do it why did you quit uh yeah actually one thing is i'm quite frugal i don't frequently spend money on things so i just see money as a tool to maintain my living it just puts a roof over your head yeah that's money for me yeah. so in my case i didn't have a particular attachment to money that i wanted to stay with a particular job and earn this much money and only then i would try to do something i like i've always been a person who's been curious and uh, trying to do different experiments and also quitting this job wasn't well met with my parents they were quite afraid for me doing this because most of my peers and friends were actually earning well in their high paid jobs yeah but uh, i am actually using jeff bezos regret minimization framework so he says that if you're older and you think of a decision which you didn't make in your earlier age he just asks would you regret it if your answer is yes you would have to reintrospect yourself and do it well congratulations gautam on on quitting your job and on everything you've done with fameful.io so far you've done an amazing job and i have every confidence in your future success listeners if you'd like to connect with gautam you can follow him on twitter at gautamj8 that's g o u t h a m j a y 8 And you can check out his product on his website, fameball.io. Gautam, thanks so much for joining me on the Quick Work Podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. It was great chatting with you. Thanks for listening to the Quick Work Podcast. I love talking to people who have taken the bold step of quitting their job to start living their true life. Join me for a fresh conversation every week. Subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel at quitworkprojects.com. And if you have any comments on this episode or if you'd like to tell your own quit work story, I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at quitworkproject.com or on Twitter or Instagram at quitworkproject. I hope you too find your way to quitting work and living your true life.